listening to Truth To You with Jono. G'day, wherever you may be around the world, it is good to have your company. It is time for Pearls from the Torah Portion with Keith Johnson and Nehemiah Gordon. G'day, fellas. G'day, 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 g'day. G'day, 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 g'day. It's great to be here from Jerusalem. A shout out to Rachel Esther Bat Avraham. Thanks for listening and sharing on Facebook, the Torah Pearls. Excellent. Thank you very ah. much for that. And now listen, fellas, I want to, uh, if it's okay with you, I just want to read a couple of comments. Can I do that? We've never done that before. We didn't screen these ahead of time. Hey, come on. <laughs> this is the... <laughs> now, first of all, the first one is uh, is a, um, well, this is from Daryl. I like this one. This one, this is from Daryl. Daryl says, I sincerely appreciate this program. Uh, as great as it is, I would like to offer the following as constructive criticism. Are you ready? Oh, <laughs> come on. What the... Are you ready? Okay. okay, it's like we're having our own little board meeting here. Number one, revealing truth and the contrast between the truth and error will help every listener. While it is useful to point out the errors with certain traditions, it seems counterproductive to belittle or berate those who teach or follow those traditions, even when doing so seems intentionally misleading. Number one. You're kidding me. No, no, that's what, why is it misleading if it's... Uh... If it's true, I'm that's, so confused. That's, that's, that's what I said. How, how can truth ever be misleading? That's yeah. what I want to know. And you know, and, and I do want to point out that that when we are critical of uh, traditions, I think we're we on this program we've tried very carefully. I think you know, for uh, for me not to speak about other people's traditions, only about things that I have from my own heritage. And if Keith is talking about traditions, he's not going to be criticizing you know my tradition. He's going to be talking about his own tradition something that he's speaking about for personal experience. Well, I do think one of the, one of the things he's saying, uh, and, and this is where I, I, I agree with Nehemia, first of all, we, we, throw our own, we throw our own traditions under the bus. Uh, the translation issue, I think it sounds like, is he addressing the translate the fact that we have at times said that the, the translations are, are of concern? I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw him a bone. Is that what he's he's, he's, bringing he's saying? Up he's or? saying those um, those who teach or follow those traditions, even even when they follow those traditions, seems to be intentionally misleading. So okay. yeah, I'm not maybe sure. I maybe I didn't understand his comment. So. I think that's what he's Are saying. We, I think that's what he's saying. Maybe so. we should edit this whole part out because I don't I don't know what this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's Daryl's first point. Whatever it means, that's his first point. But listen, Keith, I think you're going to like the second one. All right? Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. This I'm is ready. this is Daryl's second point. It seems the program is becoming unbalanced. Hang on, it goes on. At times, Keith Johnson is not allowed to make opening remarks and his comments are spoken over or somewhat belittled. It goes on. It might be helpful to keep track of the time given to each of your comments. Now we're talking. This is the kind of guy I, I want percentages. What I want the, to know what wait, the percentages wait, what? are. This is perfect. I know. Thank this, you, Daryl. This is what Daryl's saying. Sort of I'm like, not speaking this whole program. Sort of like more structured debate. It still won't balance out. As, <laughs> I think what he's really trying to say is Jono is hogging the airtime and not letting Keith or me speak. He says sort of like more structured debates. As to be fair, more inclusive and less rude. Each each perspective is equally important. Amen, uh, Amen. For the format amen. of the program, which is a great part of what makes the program appealing. Amen, Daryl. I think you're onto something there in, in the second one. Number three, while I enjoy and appreciate the humorous times, it seems too much time is used for picking on, uh, in inverted commas, each other resulting in not having enough time to explore as fully the richness of the topics. Well, that could be true, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Jonah, why did you throw a curveball at us like that? I can't do the Torah portions now. 
All right, I'm ready. Okay, okay. All right, Ian's, Ian's saying um, uh, thanks again for offering such a wealth of information freely. I look forward to hearing more. Well, thank you, Daryl. Thank you, everyone who leaves yep. comments. Uh, now, here's another one, Keith. This one's directed at you. Uh, oh. Someone, someone contacted contacted me on Facebook, and they said I have a request. It seems that as that as of lately, Keith has been using the name Jesus far too often. <laughs> Stop it, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> well, here I want to say something. I was uh, is I this one of the things a rule about that the Methodist isn't allowed to say Jesus. No, but, no, no. Is that, is well, the reason kind of that joke? I one of the one of one of the reasons that I do do that for those that are a little uncomfortable is that we're trying to reach people around the world. And and look, whether we like it or not, uh, the folks that are what normally maybe listen to something like this are beginning to do, and and their point of reference happens to be uh, Jesus. Uh, some folks would say Yeshua, others would say other things. I've got a I've got a number of of opinions about that, but um. I think as much as we're able to reach uh, people across the borders, then we should do that. So that's fair enough. And actually, if I if I remember correctly, Keith, I think in the last program, last week's program, you said I'm using Jesus for my Methodist brothers, I'm using Yeshua for my Messianic brothers, and I'm using what's his name for those who don't know what I'm talking about. Exactly. There it is. Now this did one, he actually say that? Yeah, that's he did. Funny. Yeah, <laughs> he was funny. No, it was <laughs> impressive, Nehemiah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't, I don't remember that. I must have been in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, okay. this one is great. Listen up, guys. These are, look, we, we do get comments like this um, uh, quite often, but this one I really just want to read it out. This is from Sophia. She writes, uh, My family and I really enjoy going over the Torah with you all. We also enjoy and delight in your three different backgrounds and how you all come together in carefully studying the scripture. And we really enjoy the gentle midrashing going on. And we come here because we are so sick of being preached at and with the wrong stuff and the typical strict structure that some organizations place on learning mm -hmm. scripture. It's so nice. It is nice to come to this site and let your hair down. Not that you guys would know anything about that. And just right. listen to the teaching without having to worry about the structural program. I feel... Our family benefits from your approach to the scriptures more than any other way. Thanks for doing all that you do. And please don't change the way you do things on this program. Uh, we have made your program part of our Shabbat every week. And listeners of... That's what I'm talking about. There it is. She writes, sometimes our family is spread throughout the world due to work. But we all still listen to your program wherever we are. And we discuss it. And it brings us together and helps us stay focused on the weekly readings. You guys are great inspiration and wonderful teachers. May Yehovah bless you three gentlemen and the people who put this program together. Thank you so much, Sophia. Yes. That is just a wonderful, wonderful comment. And thank you for uh, uh, leaving that in the comments section. We really, really do appreciate it. Yeah, well, if we're, awesome. If we're uh, reading um, comments, I want to read something from, that was posted on my Facebook page. Uh, you can go to facebook.com slash Nehemia Gordon where I share the Torah portions, and on the portion of Kedoshim, which is Leviticus 20, or excuse me, 19 to 20, um, uh, there was a comment posted by Mark, uh, who lives in Quincy, California, and he says, uh, Sorry, Nehemiah, I didn't enjoy this much. Not on your part, just too much New Testament for me. Blessings <laughs> to you. <laughs> so, and then I, I posted my response to him on Facebook, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you can't please everybody all the time, can you? No, you can't. You know, and, I, and I think, look, it is uh, pearls from the Torah portion or Torah pearls, and we do focus on the Torah, and we'll bring from time to time, we'll bring stuff from the prophets and the writings into it. And every once in a while, Keith gets out of control, and he brings yeah. in the New Testament stuff. But, you know, I, I think that that's okay, because there are people listening from all kinds of different perspectives, 
and we want to sh- explore the different facets of it. And, you know, I think as long as we stay focused on the Torah, which is the topic of the program, I think it's okay if he, if he, you know, yeah. brings in the New Testament from time to time. Well, let me so, say, Mark, so, I would like to say something, Mark, to deal with it. I, I want to, no, I want to say something. And, and I think everybody, if you were to go back over any of the Torah portions, any of the, the, the programs that we did, it, it's not that we, we focus on the Torah. It is the Torah. We're dealing with the Torah. And mm-hmm. so the only reason that we would bring in a New Testament uh, verse isn't for theological reasons, but to, to co- contrast and compare and contrast mm-hmm. and to ask the question whether or not um, it's something that fits. And if it doesn't, then we're willing to throw, I'm willing to throw that under the bus also. So I, I really enjoyed the fact that both uh, Nehemiah and Jono have been willing to to venture in those areas, and both of you have even brought it up at different times when it fits with what we're talking about, because this is about the Torah. The Torah is the focus. The Torah is Amen. the basis for why we're doing this. The New Testament, um, it may be something that's commentary on something what we're talking about, but um, I've been I've really enjoyed the fact that the focus has been here, and we haven't tried to find within every line something from the New Testament, but mm-hmm. rather, you know, the other way around. So sure. pretty cool. I've appreciated. And, and that's it. another comment that was posted on my Facebook page, actually not related to. The Torah portions, but I, what I've been doing throughout the 50 days of the counting of the Omer, mm. that's the 50 days from the fe- uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, actually the specifically the Sunday during Chag Matzot, the Feast of Unleavened mm. Bread, down to Shavuot is a 50-day count. We're actually commanded to do that in two places in the Torah, Leviticus 23 and Deuteronomy 16. And um, and, and there's been a, a, a person who, who's been posting the last few days on the page uh, in response saying, well, why are you doing this count? And I explained, well, it's commanded in the Torah. Mm-hmm. And then finally she writes, she says, well, it may be commanded in the Torah, but where's Jesus in all this? And, and, and this person is genuinely confused. And what I tried to explain to her is, I'm a Jew. <laughs> you know, if you want to find out where Jesus is in it, go ask Johnson. Uh, you know, um, that, what I'm trying to actually do is, is focus on what the Torah is actually literally commanding us. If you want to then apply that figuratively to some theology that you're bringing to the table, well, that... You know, that's between you and your creator. Mm-hmm. But I think before you do that, first you need to understand what the plain meaning is. What were the words meant in their context as they were spoken? And I think, Keith, you would agree with that, that first you have to understand it in its language, in its context, and its meaning. Mm-hmm. And then we can talk about all kinds of parables and, and uh, theological applications. Can I get an amen? amen. Well, yeah, I'll get an amen, and I will say to my, my the friend that asked that question, what she doesn't realize is that Nehemiah is simply falling in line with all the people that are praying during these 50 days between uh, Passover, Pesach, and uh, and and, and uh, Shavuot, mm-hmm. and I made this uh, request, and of course he, he wasn't even here, but here he is. He's counting this. It's something I learned actually years ago when I first uh, uh, met Nehemiah. But one thing I will say about Jesus, Yeshua, what's his name, whatever you want to call him, one of the things he said is he told the disciples, he said, "Stay here uh, during this time and wait for the gift." And so he was counting also because the counting that took place would have been from Pesach to Shavuot, and he yeah. knew that Shavuot was coming based on the counting of the days, the mm-hmm. weeks, etc. So that, I'll throw that in there for her so she knows that Nehemi is counting uh, uh, just the way that you should. Okay, let's move on. Well done. <laughs> that's that's very valid. Okay, so today we are in Bechukotai. Have I pronounced that right, Nehemi? You sure did. Oh, Hallelujah. so cool. I think you didn't? <laughs> Can I say something? Go on. People don't realize this. Everybody, you should know this. Uh, uh, Jono, is, Jono is learning Hebrew, and he's learning from the great Yoel. You will ben, uh, ben Shlomo, who's been on radio program, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's been about just about a, a year and a, a year and a couple months where he's been doing that as far as teaching other people. Jonah's one of the students, so you've been doing really good on your pronunciation. I want to give a shout out to our friend Yoel in uh, in Jerusalem, who is a great Hebrew teacher. Uh, those that are Hebrew interested teacher. should also go to his website because he has 
been uh, sharing with different people, and a lot of people are learning, so it's really awesome, both biblical and... Uh, and he has a, a, a page on Facebook called Hebrew in Israel, doesn't mm -hmm. he? Hebrew in Israel, yeah. you can find it on Facebook. Go there, like it, interact with the information there. That is Yoel's uh, Facebook page. But you can also, if you're interested in Hebrew lessons from Yoel, if, if, he has, if he has room, man, he's popular. But you can try it. And the, and the email is Hebrewinisrael at gmail.com. That's Hebrewinisrael at gmail.com. And you will be very pleased to know that we have started a, um, uh, a series on the early prophets as well. Uh, with Yoel, and awesome. we're, we're working our way through Joshua, and boy, it's good fun. But I tell you what, we better we better get kicking along with the uh, Torah pearls. Yes, and uh, it is Leviticus twenty six verse three to twenty seven thirty four, and it begins like this: "If is the word that it begins with, Keith. If now, Keith, say if if <laughs> yes. I want you to come Amen. and sit down here in the limelight on the stage here, Keith, because this one. You you got you have to make up for all the times that we talk over you, <laughs> interrupt and uh, and all of that. So this and, and in fairness, can I point out that this is actually a, a, a core part of Israeli culture. If you ever watch an Israeli uh, talk show program, what you'll see is like you know five or ten guys sitting around the table and and they're each interrupting and talking over the other person, and and you know I think a lot of Westerners see that and they say, wow, how rude. But in the Israeli culture, we're, we're, we're programmed that if you don't do that, you never get heard. And, and so I apologize for me being Israeli and speaking over Keith. But, you know, Keith, it's survival of the fittest. If you, you know, come and punch me out and, and speak over me. And, and go ahead. So I wanted to, I wanted I'll be quiet. This program. It's, it's interesting. This weekend, I was actually uh, invited. Uh, Jono and Nehemiah was invited uh, to a very strange, strange invitation, but very exciting. And I spoke about these two letters at uh, the beginning of our portion. So the two letters that are so uh, so crucial are I and F. If mm. and you know, and I spoke about that because what what happened was I want to just give a, a, a quick little yeah, uh, deal here on Leviticus. So um, I got a phone call just before I went to Israel. Uh, I got an email before I went from Israel from a lady who had a question. She said I'd like to ask you a question, and I just happened to answer it and say, "Yeah, no, what is it?" She said, "Hey, would you come to uh, our congregation?" And, well, I. When I heard about it, it was a United Methodist Church. Now, you know, I'm, I don't get a lot of invitations to United Methodist Churches. So when she specifically asked me, I thought, oh, yeah, sure. And I had, had her work with uh, Karen up in Minnesota on, on the logistics. And I hadn't thought a lot about it. Long story short, she, she actually heard about uh, me through her husband giving her an iPad down in Stanton, Texas. She opens up her iPad and she says, I'd like to know something about a little Hebrew. And what pops up? All these Hebrew books. And one of them, she said, that caught her attention were these four letters on the, the, the iPad. And the four letters were yud heh vav -Hey. She saw those four letters and she said, I want to read that book. She pushes it. She reads the introduction. Next thing you know, she reads the book. She reads it on her iPad three times, a United Methodist lady. Wow. She goes to her yeah, pastor. Are you, are you saying your book is held name revealed again is on the iPad? What are you talking about? It's in twenty yeah. some countries now. In the, in the now, I, where, in now I, where can you get that on the iPad? How do you get it on the iPad? The iPad, go to iBooks. And you can go to a store now. And listen, and this is what's exciting. It was originally in five countries, Australia, mm -hmm. the United States, United Kingdom, France, and Germany, and Canada. Now it's been extended to 26 different countries. Wow. On, wow. Uh, the the I, iTunes store is actually in these countries. I'm taking places like Czechoslovakia. and I mean, I can't even tell you the names of the countries. But <laughs> if you're listening here today, this is really cool. You can go to your iStore. 
uh, iBooks, uh, mm-hmm. iBooks, and go to His Hollywood Name Revealed Again. What's so cool about this book, I want to give a shout out to our friend Michael Swamp, who was the engineer behind this, where he incorporated so many things in the actual book. It's a Literally, it's an interactive book that's got mm. videos and music, all this wonderful stuff. But anyway, the long and short of it is that she reads the book three times. She goes to her pastor, a United Methodist pastor, and says, listen, uh, the pastor says, hey, I want you to be in charge of evangelism for our church. She said, okay, I'll do it on one condition. I need to invite this guy to our church. <laughs> And the pastor says, okay, do it. So she calls me and says, will you come? Long and short as I had kind of forgot about it. I get back. I'm working on the time project. Karen calls and says, Keith, you're supposed to be in Stanton. I have no idea where Stanton is, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) On Thursday, the ticket comes. On Friday before Shabbat, I fly to Stanton. And where do I have to go to get to Stanton? Midland, Odessa, Texas. (laughs) No. Just remind everyone. This is Texas. This is hilarious. So listen, everybody. I know we're going to get to the if. I get to Midland, Odessa. Midland, Odessa is the place where this whole thing started with Nehemia and God's Learning Channel. The lady actually sends a letter to GLC not knowing anything about anything. And she says, hey, listen, GLC, I'm having a guy named Keith Johnson who's written a book called his Hollywood name revealed again. (laughs) True story. I I I get to Stanton. They hand me a newspaper. When they hand me the newspaper, they don't tell me what's in it. I open it. They got a quarter page, quarter page ad in this newspaper with the four letters, Yudhe the cover of the book, a picture of me saying he's coming to Stanton First United Methodist Church. And get was what I got a chance to talk about. Now I'm bringing it to the Torah portion. I talked to my United Methodist about the two letters IF. So many people want the blessings. So many people want the good stuff. Mm. So many people want everything that God has for them, but they don't want to deal with those two letters, I, F. And I talked about that this weekend at the United Methodist Church as they asked me to talk about the name of God. So it was a blessing. It really was wonderful. And uh, that just goes to show that it acts all that hard work that we did to get in on the iPad actually is working. And That's even the United Methodists allow me to come. So let's go on with the Torah portions. I think it's an important word, and it's something that is throughout Scripture, if if. Amen. And and good day to everybody in Stanton, Texas. That's a that's a wonderful story, Keith, and I'm glad you took time to tell us that. And so this is now, by the way, this is the final uh, portion for Leviticus. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then yes. I will give you rain in its season, and the land shall re- shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last until the time of. Uh, of vintage is what I've got, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing, and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. I will give you peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts. Boy, I like the sound of that. I tell you what, here in Australia, we have got some evil beasts. We've got the Franklin snakes. We've got the brown snakes. We've got the funnel web spider. We've got the red back spider. We've got the bunyip, and we've got drop bears. Boy. The bunyip? What's a bunyip? You don't know what the bunyip is? No. Mm. Well, just pray you never find out. And, uh, is that and, a marsupial or some kind? Or? Uh, no, no one's really sure. In fact, I'm not really certain anyone's seen one. But I think this is interesting now. And I want Nehemiah to say something about this. This is really, really interesting that it says, he says, the first thing he says on, after the if, and what did I talk about this weekend in Stanton, Texas? On the front page of their newspaper, mm-hmm. inside you've got this, this, this thing with the four letters and the front cover of the book, but on the front page, every Friday on their, in their town, they have three words, pray for rain. 
Oh, now wow. I'm in oil country. The true story. Oh, yeah. I'm in oil country, and they on the front that doesn't say you know look for oil. Pray, it says pray for rain. And the reason is is that no matter how much oil it's in the Permian Basin, mm -hmm. the, the 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 largest uh, oil uh, reserves right now uh, in the United States, uh, no, other than Alaska. And, and I mean, I'm telling you, oil is huge, but they can't do anything about drilling for rain. The only way they can get rain is they've got to pray. Amen. And so the verse that I actually was talking about was in Chronicles. Um, regarding if my people who are called by my name, mm -hmm. and what's the, what's the verse before that? If I should shut up the heavens so there is no rain. And in Texas right now, last year they had a half of inch of rain. Oh, wow. This year, up to this point, they've had an a inch and a half. They're in a le legitimate drought, and there's only one hope. And the hope is this. They've got to go to the one who can, allow, who, who can open up the, the, the windows of heaven mm. uh, to bring rain. So this is a newspaper, front page of the newspaper mm. saying, look, pray for rain. So I just think that it's interesting wow. that that's what we're talking about today. And, of mm. course, Nehemiah knows about the importance of rain in the land of Israel. Without it, oh, yeah. we got problems. we got serious problems. And, and Nehemiah, while we're on it, what, what are the, the evil beasts of the land of Israel? Oh, boy. Um, well, so in ancient times, of course, there were lions and there were bears. Mm -hmm. um, you know, David talks about how lions and bears attacked his flocks and he was able to kill them. Mm -hmm. I, I would think that those were the worst. But then you also, of course, we do have snakes. We've got the viper, mm -hmm. which is a very deadly snake. Um, and, uh, you know, there's all kinds of, uh, there are scorpions, of course. Yeah. Scorpions mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, yeah. So there's a few. But, yeah. There's a few evil beasts yep. around. And it goes on to say, and the sword will not go through your land, and you will chase your enemy, and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase 100, and 100 of you shall chase, uh, shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. For I will look upon you favorably, and I will, f and I will make you fruitful, and multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old. You shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. I am Yehovah your Elohim, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves. I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you walk upright. But verse fourteen. Hold on, hold mm -hmm. on. I mean, let's let's just get. There's one, always one a but. Always no, there's but. always a but. And before we get to the but, I think it's amazing that we're reading in Leviticus. And I, and I, look, I have to say this uh, to my sisters and brothers that are listening. If there was a book that you wouldn't read and throughout my tradition, uh, one that you'd say, okay, we'll throw this one out. Leviticus was one that I would have thrown out. Why? Because I'm like, what does this Leviticus have to do with anything in my life? And this was this was all the way up until literally, uh, even though I would read the quote-unquote uh, Old Testament uh, you know, you, when you get to Leviticus, you kind of just, you know, peruse it, look it over it a little bit and, and move on. Uh, that's why I didn't know about Leviticus 19, about where this whole idea of loving your neighbor, uh, which, which, uh, which, you know, I had mm -hmm. thought it was just a New, New Testament con concept. But when you read a passage like this in Leviticus 26, when I read Leviticus 26, here's what I see. When I see him say, I will look on you with favor. I'm, I'm sorry, here's, he says, uh, five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. Mm. Immediately, I start thinking about the stories, the, the, the accounts in Scripture where this very thing happened, mm -hmm. where there's a few Israelites and they end up putting how many to, to flight? And mm. then I think about the story, the, what Nehemiah has testified to, which has been one of the most powerful stories about Yom Kippur, the Yom Kippur War, and, and what happened with the few tanks and the many. And all mm -hmm. I think about is Leviticus. He says, this is what I'll do. And sure enough, 
we've seen both ancient and modern examples of that very thing happening. So mm. it, it just it's an amazing to me that, that right in Leviticus in the book that I would have thought, ah, what's how does that apply to us? There it is. There it is. But if you do yeah. not obey me and you do not and Jono, observe look, all these commandments. Jono, Jono, this is not going to work. Nehemiah, you're trying to be quiet the whole time. Okay? <laughs> Have you noticed <laughs> this? Have you noticed? <laughs> no, no, no. What are you talking about? Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> look, come on. Do your thing. Interrupt me. Come on. <laughs> this is not Torah. <laughs> well, since you asked. Um, <laughs> so I want to comment on verse 4. It says, and I'll give your, your reins in, in their time. And that's an important thing because we think about, you know, we just want to pray for rain and have rain all the time. Yes, but yeah. uh, it's actually a curse to have rain in the time of harvest in the land of Israel mm -hmm. because rain will come down and it can it can damage the crops. Uh, specifically, if you're talking about a wheat or barley crop, it'll mm -hmm. it'll cause the, the grain to shatter. And there's actually a, a story in the book of Samuel about how there, there was rain in the time of harvest and that was a curse. And so rain in its time, that's what's crucial. What you want is you want rain... Um, just after Sukkot, just after the Feast of mm -hmm. Tabernacles, because then that's the, that's the planting time, and then the planting time. Uh, you need after that you need to have rain all the way up until close to the time of harvest, and then once you begin the harvest, you needs to be bone dry, um, and uh, and then and then after that in the summer, then you have the um, the the vintage where you you are harvesting the grapes, and we actually have a reference there in verse five. It's saying how the period of threshing is going to overtaken to the time of vintage and the time of vintage that overtaken the time of planting mm. and what were distinct um, periods in the agricultural cycle of the year is going to it's going to take so long is the point because there's going to be so much abundance that's mm. what's going to be the blessing there's a blessing of abundance here if you are obedient to the commandments of the creator which I think is an amazing thing I mean what what a, a beautiful blessing and um, and he talked about verse 8 where it says uh, five of you will chase a hundred, and and a hundred will chase ten thousand. Those things have literally happy, happened in my lifetime, in 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 modern times, mm -hmm. where we've seen that. Where Israel, which is a country today of seven million people, and surrounded by hundred and fifty million hostile uh, enemies, mm -hmm. um, people who want to wipe us off the map. Actually, if, if depending how you count it, you could say there's over a billion hostile people who want to wipe us off the map, and uh, and we're able to stand uh, uh, before them and 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 you know and and survive in a very hostile environment uh, with very small numbers, and, and that is a blessing. And I think that goes to what we read at the end, which I'm going to wait for. Yes. It's at the end of this chapter. That that's yes. the, For yes. me, is the money ball. That For me, is the you know the bottom line. So um, you are waiting in the bushes. So I, I'm, I'm going to hold off on that one. Off, but so I do want to make one, we'll one, one quick comment on yes. verse 10. It, and read me verse 10 in your translation, Keith. So that, and, and, and by the way, whatever you're reading, I'm counting that towards... Your your uh your your yeah. the words. Okay, so <laughs> no, that comes off of your time. Okay, so it says uh, you will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have uh to move it out to make room for the new. And that's that's you know it's so weird when I first read that because you know if if you go and research about the food that we eat, we're eating wheat that was you know here in Israel we're eating wheat that was grown in the Ukraine or in or in Kansas ten years ago literally, and. Uh, and you know, and, and they were living on a subsistence level, and you harvested in the spring, and you brought in your crop all the way into the early summer, and uh, and, and basically that you know in the dry season you're harvesting your crop, and you know April May and that around that time, give or take depending on the on the year seasons, but basically in, in what we call today spring, and that's got to last you all the way until the following spring. And that in Hebrew is called the Yashan, the old. And so it literally says is you will eat the old as old. And 
you will remove the old because of the new. And the new grain that we read about in Scripture is the grain that you then harvest in the following year. Uh, so what I harvested this April and this March, uh, some of it, that already that's going to be the new grain. And there's actually a commandment yes. not to eat the new grain until you bring the, the wave sheaf offering, which is during the Sunday of mm-hmm. during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And um, and here it's saying you're going to have to get rid of the old grain because you're going to have so much new grain. You're not going to even have room for it. I mean, which which is, uh, you know, if you think about it in the terms that he's speaking to the ancient Israelites, that's like a mind-boggling thing because they're living on subsistence level. They're they're eating the pre-ripe grain because mm. they don't have enough to keep them through to the harvest. They're taking the grain before it's even ripe and roasting it in fire and eating it. And uh, and here he's talking about you're going to have to get rid of your old grain because it's going to be so much new grain. And so that's a, a image of uh, of super abundance, overabundance, overabundance, and, overabundance. and, so, and a lot you of you've got so much food. And and that's a blessing. I mean, you know, I look forward to that blessing when when it's fulfilled. When we have people in this day and age in the 21st century who are still starving in the world. Mm, true. So in those days, a lot of happy chickens will be eating the old grain. And uh, But verse 14, if you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes or if your soul abhors my judgments that you do not perform my commandments but break my covenant, I will also do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you. Wasting could, we just pa- could, we just, could we just skip over this part? You, you don't want to know about the bad stuff? Could, could we just you only not want to hear it? about the blessing. You, know what, you just want to hear yeah, about could, the blessings? Could, do we really have to go through this? I mean, this is this is hard stuff to hear this stuff. I mean, this is this is real. This is real. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, when you when you read this, you just think, boy. I mean, do you have to talk about this? But guess what? It's a part of it's a part of the whole. So it's I'm actually it. just kidding. Or, let's so please let's milk it for all it's worth because this is the last part of. Leviticus says, I will point terror over you, wasting disease and fever, which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of the heart, and you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemy shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you shall reign over you, and you, and you shall flee when no one pursues you. And after all of this, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more. And this is a, a theme in this part of okay, the Okay, one uh, second chapter. here, Jonah. One second, isn't it? So, so it's almost like he's saying here, and please correct me if I'm wrong, so he's saying here, now here's what's going to happen. I'm going to bring this upon you. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. Verse 17, I will set my face against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you and you will flee even when no one is in fire. Mm-hmm. Then he says, now listen, if that doesn't catch your attention. So let's just say that they get their, you know, they, at that point they say, okay, enough. But if then if they don't, then he says, I'm going to add more. I mean, it's almost like, and we see this, we see this over and over and over again in scripture also. Mm-hmm. Something will come. There will be the point of point of accountability. Hey, now look, did, did I get your attention? Did I get your attention? And then the person will say, okay, yeah. Uh, you know, I think about Jeroboam who who had the leprosy, he reaches out his hand, he has a leprosy, and then he gets healed, and then he ends up being even worse. So it's almost like this, this again, the, this particular passage, it, it shows us again, we see it happen over and over in scripture, mm. where he's like, okay, did I get your attention? No? Okay, here comes some more. I mean, and that really is it. And it's seven times more. It's seven times more. And yeah. I will break the pride of your power. I will make and the heavens like... The King Uzziah, not Jeroboam. There we are. Okay, no, I meant to... No, oh, hold on now. Just a second. Just a second. And don't... Chronicles 26, 19. Now listen, that well, is... The other part, that is... Jer- Jeroboam, when you go to the part where Jeroboam was... The, the first time, when the man of God came. The man of God. Uh, I love yes. that story. It's a great story. Yeah. What are you doing... What are you talking about? That's shrivels, that shrivels up his hand, right? Yeah, he gets uh, he gets uh, his uh, his hand. He reaches out his hand. Jeroboam. Yeah. Okay, so we're, we may be mixing two different stories. All right. <laughs> no, we're not. Now, now you know. Let, let let everyone open the Wait. Bible. I shouldn't have just. Well, hold on, hold on. 
you right, we have to go there now. Here. Where is oh, it? Now, now, now we've got Now we've got to check it out. Hold Team on a second. No, honestly, I want to do this because this is one of the greatest stories. Jono, I love this story. It's a very good story. story. Please, Jono. And 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 and, and it begs the question: Who is who is this man of God who eventually gets mauled by a lion exactly. a little bit later on? But it is exactly. a great story. And yeah, um, was at the, the forehead where he had it at the top of his forehead, but Jeroboam was where he re- reached out his hand uh, and then it shrivels up. Well, leprosy, I think. It would. I can't remember what the technical term is on that. I got, yeah, I think I think in this one it was We're going to find it. Okay, whereabouts is it? Do you know where, where it is? It's Kings, right? It's interesting because he doesn't have a name. He's called the man of God who came from Judah. <laughs> Repeatedly. Exactly, the man of God who came. That's all he's called. Oh, so it's 1 Kings 13. <laughs> 1 yeah. Kings 13. The man. The message from the man of God is what I've got. Oh, uh, look. Do you know what? I love this story. Can we? It's an amazing story. This is an amazing story. I'm going to have to read it. it, it, it well, the reason it's, the reason it's important it. is be, based it. on Leviticus because, uh, because in a sense – Here's here's what's happening. But anyway, go ahead. Go I'm, ahead I'm, I'm going to do it because it it really is. It's great, and it's got nothing. I mean, it's got. I'm going to do it. Sure and it behold, does. <laughs> sure it does. Uh, and, and behold, a man of God went from uh, Judah to Bethel by the word of Jehovah, and Jeroboam stood at the altar to burn incense. And when he cried out against the altar and the word of Jehovah, and said, "O altar, altar, thus says Jehovah: Behold, a, ch- a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David." And on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense to you, and the men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which Jehovah has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it be poured out. And so it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar of Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Arrest him! And then his hand, which he stretched out towards him, withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. Mm-hmm. How about mm-hmm. that? And the altar and then was, what happens? The, the altar was also split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of Jehovah. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of Jehovah your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man yes. of God entreated Jehovah. And uh, the man of God entreated Jehovah, and the, the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For So it was commanded by the word of Jehovah, saying, You shall not eat bread or drink water, nor return by the same way you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way yes. he came to Bethel. And verse 31, I think it is 30, uh, 33, even after this, this is the part I was trying to get to, mm. even after this, Jeroboam did not change his evil ways, but once more appointed priests for the high places from all sorts of people. Anytime uh, who wanted to become a priest, he consecrated for the high places. This was the sin of the house of Jeroboam that led to the downfall and to the destruction from the face of the earth. Being that, So here he's got this stuff that happens. You know, Here's the situation happens. He sees that God is in it. His, his hand is restored after it's been shriveled up, and it didn't cause him to do anything. He, you, you could have read Leviticus 26 that says, now if you don't listen after that, here's the more that's going to mm-hmm. come upon you. And that, mm-hmm. that was kind of what I was And was even so, now you're absolutely right. I mean, seriously, if you point it out and said, arrest that man, then you, your arm shrivels up so that you can't even draw it back to At yourself. At that point, you repent. And you, you repent. repent and, he, and he says, oh, please ask Jehovah that my hand may be restored. And then it is, you'd be thinking, hey, you know what? I think I'm in trouble. I'm just going to admit that right now and I better repent. Right. But, but instead, but instead, and and this is what we see in a, a new. So why episode. didn't he repent? C- can we ask that question? Why did let, let's let's try to get inside Jeroboam's head, and, and it's speculation. We don't know for sure. 
But why didn't he repent? And, and I would venture to say that he didn't repent because he thought he was probably, you know, on some level thought he was doing right. He justified what he was doing. He found ways of twisting scripture and uh, twisting the word of God to justify what he was doing. And so this prophet comes and rebukes him and a bad thing happens and, you know, and then his, his hand is, is restored. But he's got, he's, got the, he's got the goods. He's got the verses to back himself up. He's building a, a high place at Bethel. Well, that's that's where uh, you know that, that's where Jacob had the vision, mm-hmm. and he said, "This is the house of God." So you know, uh, and a golden calf. Well, there was an ancient tradition to worship God through a golden calf, going back to the desert. So you're bringing you're bringing some prophecy and tradition, or prophecy and scripture, and he's got tradition to back him up. Mm-hmm. And tra- and tradition, as we know, in reality, always trumps scripture. It's not supposed to be that way, but that's the reality of it. That's how people live their lives, sadly. Mm. Amen. Well, then, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't because then it's verse 20, when it says in verse uh, twenty-one, and this is what you were saying: If you remain hostile toward me and refuse to listen to me, I will, and then multiply these afflictions. So mm. again, whether it's tradition, whether it's uh, you know the the pope told me to do it, or whether it's the oh. pastor told me to do it, or the rabbi told me to do it, if that tradition is contrary to biblical truth, then you know what? And back to the comment that we started out of this whole program. Uh, you know, so then at that point, do we say, well, listen, I'm going to go ahead and go with tradition or someone that's leading me the wrong way. He says, if you continue to do this, then I'm going to even bring more upon you. And so mm-hmm. I don't think anyone should be interested in that, not just because of, you know, what what anyone says, but the fact is that the creator of the universe has a way that he wants us to live. And if we live contrary to that, we should expect that we're going to be living contrary to him. Mm-hmm. And we see here what that looks like. So we do indeed. And it goes on yeah. to say, I will, I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze and your strength shall be spent in vain and your land shall not yield its produce nor the trees of the land its fruit. And if you walk contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, I will bring on you seven times more plagues according to your sins. I will also send wild beasts among you, which will rob you of your children, destroy your livestock and make you few in number and your highways will be desolate. And if by these things you are not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, I will also walk contrary to you, and I will punish you seven times more for your sins. And I will bring a sword against you that will execute the vengeance of the covenant when you are gathered together with your, in your cities, and I will send pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. And when I have cut off your supply of bread, now what is this? This is when I cut off your supply of bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall bring back your bread by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. Is that is that a good translation? Nehemiah, am I, I? I just find that it's a good translation, but it begs the question: Why is that a curse? What exactly is the curse here? And presumably, the image is that um, you know th- there isn't going to be easy access. Like not everyone is going to have an oven that they have uh, easy access to. Uh-huh. They're going to have right. to share an oven that doesn't belong to them, and they're going to have to pay for its usage, and that—that's a curse. And you so, know? when it think returns it. to you, that's think about every time you want to eat bread, and, and bread is what they ate daily. Mm-hmm. So every time you want to eat bread, you've got to go and pay somebody else to bake that bread for you. Um, you know, and, and and I mean, as it was, they were living on subsistence level, and it's saying, you know, the situation is going to be that you're not going to you're going to eat and not be satisfied. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. gonna you're gonna have you're gonna uh, not have. It's the opposite of abundance. You're going to have scarcity. You're going to have to pay for that scarcity, and it's still not going to satisfy mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And after all this, if you do not obey me but walk contrary to me, then I will also walk contrary to you in fury, Keith, in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. You shall, oh, my goodness, verse 29. Keith, what do you do with it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's all difficult. I mean, it is. You will eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters. I will destroy your high places. I mean, right in the middle of that. I mean, these are the kinds of things. And I, and what's and, and again, I don't know. When I read this, I'm a, I still imagine being one of those people that's sitting there, standing there uh, during Sukkot, listening to the Torah being read, and living in one of those years, living sort of the both the the blessings and the curses of what have what is what's been heard. I mean, mm. this isn't some like you know. This isn't Yehovah boasting, saying, I'm going to do this, but never does it. I'm going to, if you don't do that, I mean, these are things that we've seen happen. Mm-hmm. And it really is a, it's a, it's sobering to yeah. read this. I it guess. is, it's very sobering to read this. I will destroy your high places, cut down your. Wait, wait, can, can we stop there at that eating the children? Because sure. that, that is, that to me, it's, it's, it's the type of thing that you read in the Bible and you got to ask yourself, is this a metaphor? Is this meant literally? And there's actually an account of this happening it's during a siege. And, and it literally talks about how these two women made a deal where right. they would, um, right. they would, you know, today we'll eat your son and tomorrow we'll eat my mm-hmm. son, mm-hmm. and then she reneges. <laughs> mm. After, yeah. after oh, one here, of them, in, yeah. two, two Kings six twenty five. Yes. Um, or let's start in twenty four, uh, and I'll let Keith read that. It'll come out of his time. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, twenty four. It says uh, uh, sometime later, Benhadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and had siege in Samaria. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for eight shekels of silver and a quarter of, uh, let's see here, I can't even read this, a cap of seed pods for five shekels. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried to him, help me, my lord, the king. The king replied, if the lord does not help you, where can I get help for you from the Mm -hmm. threshing floor? And she goes on to say, uh, give up your son. She said the deal was give up your son that we may eat him today and tomorrow we'll eat my son. So we uh, cooked my son and ate him. The next day I said to her, give up your son. So we made him, but she had hidden him. When he, and then the king goes on to say, so you wanted me to read that? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so so the point is that, you know, and the king is horrified at this, but, the, you know, you think these things, is this meant literally? And it literally happened that the people were starving so badly that they, they had no choice. They they ate their children. And, um, you know, and these are these are things that have been repeated throughout the history of Israel. And, and, I, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but verse 33, it, to me, is such a powerful verse. It says, and I will scatter you among the nations. And the word there um, uh, for scatter is, is the powerful word. It's, it's Anyway, let's go back to that. And I will empty out after them the sword, and, uh, and their land shall be desolate, and mm. their cities will be um, destroyed. And, and now think about this. Moses is writing this sometime around 1450 B.C., give or take, you know, people of different chronologies. But roughly 1450 B.C.E., he's writing this. And when he's writing this, They've just come back with the report that Israel is so abundant. There's giants living there. We'll never conquer it. It's mm-hmm. such, it's such a, a giant and, and abundant place. And he's prophesying how, how if you sin against Jehovah, he'll scatter us amongst the nations and the cities will be destroyed. And, and like, what are you talking about? You know, we're about to come into the land. You know, how could that ever happen? How, how could a scenario like that ever happen that we'd be scattered among the nations? Um, and that was really something that the Assyrians instituted hundreds of years later, 700 years later, the Assyrians came and they, and they did, they scattered, they exiled the 10 tribes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 900 years later, Nebuchadnezzar came and scattered the, tr- the two remaining tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And Moses is writing this between seven and 900 years before these different events happen. And, and I think that's amazing that this is being prophesied and we're being warned about it. And, uh, and then it happened a second time in the time of the Romans that we were scattered a second mm-hmm. time. And we still haven't repented. And, and, uh, and, you know, the verse that comes to mind for me 
is um, is actually in Isaiah. If I can bring a verse, can please, I bring a verse from Isaiah please, chapter please. eleven, sure. verse eleven, and it says, uh, "And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set His hand again the second time to recover the remnant of His people. A second time He's going to gather in the exiles." Mm-hmm. Now Isaiah is speaking this uh, at a time when uh, the ten tribes. If uh, either they'd already been exiled or they were about to be exiled, but this was something that was already going on in the world um, in, under the Assyrian um, threat that the Assyrians were were, uh, were exiling people. But he talks here about Israel being gathered in a second time uh, before, really, before the first exile even happened, which, which to me is amazing. You know, uh, well, let's get the first exiles back. And you're talking about the second time. And imagine what that would have meant in Isaiah's day. They might have thought, well, what is he talking about? What does that even mean? And now we have we, we are in a reality in which that second exile is, is has happened. Mm-hmm. And we have a promise from the prophet from thousands of years ago that the second exile would, is being foretold and that it will also end. So to me, this is, you know, it's foretold by Moses, 1450 B.C., 700 B.C.E., Isaiah is telling us not that not only will the first exile end, but the second one, Yehovah is going to gather you in. And the, and the beginning of that gathering has already happened. Mm. And that excites me. Can amen. I get an amen? Amen. 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 Yes. Thank, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Mm. And so now this, this is the reason why in verse 34, then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate and you are in your enemy's land, then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall rest for the time it did not rest on your Sabbaths when you dwelt in it. And we're obviously talking about the Shemitah year, right? Amen. True that. Yeah. But, I mean, so can you imagine? During I mean, the exile, can... the land will get the chance to, to rest. So, I mean, I mean, this is, this is, this is great math work here. Again, uh, those, that, those that have done it, I mean, just, just, uh, we could sit on this verse for the, from now until the who knows how mm-hmm. long, just trying to figure, figure, figure all of this out. But I just think the fact that it was said and that it happened is amazing. It's just mm. amazing to me. Amen. Amen. So, and uh, and it goes on for those who are left. I will I will send faintness into their hearts, into the lands of their enemies, and the sound of sh- a shaking, a shaken leaf shall cause them to flee. Oh my goodness, can you imagine it? Uh, and they shall flee as though fleeing from the sword, and they shall fall when no one pursues. And they shall stumble over one another as if it were a sword, and and no one is pursuing, and uh, and so on and so forth. It's just uh, my goodness. But but yes. verse but verse forty, Keith. But if here we are. Yes, but if. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers and their unfaithfulness. I got to stop you. There it is. There's no if in my verse. Really? There's no if in verse 40. Do you want to, because I I mean. It says, and they will confess their iniquities and the iniquity of their father and the transgression which they transgressed against me. Really? And also have they walked with me uh, contrary. And this is a this is a prophecy. This is a prediction. They will repent. It might take a long time. It might take three, four thousand years. But they're going to repent. They're going to confess their iniquities. Wow! And, <laughs> and he's going to grind us into the dust until we do. You know, I mean, it, it's almost like, and I hate this analogy. I won't. Even, I'm going to bring it. I hate this analogy, but it's like, you know, God is like slapping us, saying, "Repent, repent." And we're like, oh, no, we're doing everything right. I don't need to repent. And eventually, we're going to get slapped so hard, we're going to repent and confess mm-hmm. our sins. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So there's no if here. This is going to happen. We're going to confess oh, our sins. That's interesting. Do you have if in your verse, Keith? It does say if, but if they will confess their sins wow. and, the, and the sins of their fathers, so that, their treachery that, that against just, me. And that, I, that amazes me. I mean, because it's just it's not there. Like they've added the word if to make it fit their theology. If they repent, then okay, then, then God will take them back. But if they don't, we've got a replacement. We don't need them. Mm, Look my at, goodness. Oh, boy. Wow. 
How about this, that? This is outright deception. There now it is. Now look at the JPS, the Jewish translation. It has, and they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, and that they trans, uh, trespassed against me, yea, were hostile to me. So there's no if added there, and it's because there's no if in the verse. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that you stopped to say because that's a Torah pill. Thank I you. think I think Katie would agree. We got to we got to stop, and he's got to pray. You got to pray. It, I think it, I think you need to. I think we need to go to Psalm 119, verse 18, Nehemiah, if you would. I, I'm going to let Keith uh, do the yes. prayer and, and there you count, go. That, count that as part of his time. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to do and and actually uh, I want to say that uh, one of the blessings of being able to be uh, amongst. Um, Amongst uh, people in different places, but I was, as I mentioned, I was in Texas, and I was able to share uh, this verse uh, that we that we use mm-hmm. in the Torah pearls. So it really is a really is a blessing. I'm gonna I'm gonna use the NIV. It says, uh, "Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your uh, Torah in your law." Mm-hmm. And uh, Father, I just want to thank you so much that we can have our eyes open. Thank you for the perspectives on this phone. Thank you for the ability, the technology. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 many 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 ways that we're able to dive and to dig into find the treasures of your Torah. I pray that all of us that are listening here today and for generations to come, hopefully as this continues until that time, where the confession comes forth and there is restoration by you. In the meantime, help us to be a people that will continue to have our eyes open to see the wonderful things in your Torah and want to live it just Amen. the way you meant it in your name. Amen. 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 Thank Amen. you. Kate. They will confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with uh, with their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me and that they also have walked contrary to me and that I have walked contrary to them and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If now, Nehemiah, here it is, Keith, if their uncircumcised hearts are humbled uh, and they accept their guilt, then, then we have a then in verse 42. I will remember my covenant with Jacob, my covenant with Isaac, my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember, I will remember the land. Now, does yours actually say if under then when their certain circumcised are humbled, or does it say if? Uh, yeah, I've got if their oh, uncircumcised hearts are humbled. No, mine says then when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled. Yeah, it says then their uncircumcised heart will be humbled. Wow. Come on in, Ivy. their iniquities. <laughs> Come on in, Ivy. <laughs> There Somebody it is. The NIV got it this time. There's no if there. Oh my goodness! The <laughs> NIV so wins out over the new, uh, over the, the the New King James again. How about that? Okay. Oh, there's, there's some points for the Methodist Bible, and uh, and and then it goes 44. Yet for all of that, then they are in the land of their enemies. I will not cast them away. Actually, Nehemiah, do you want to, do you want to go it from here? Because these are the verses you wanted to touch on. Wait, 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 wait. No, wait, no, no. Wait, before he does that. Yeah. No, 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 just a second before he does that, because that, that, that I really do think that we're, we're this uh, verse actually verse forty six. I, I think is what you're going to talk about. Is that right, mm-hmm. Nehemiah? I'm going to talk about forty four and forty five actually. Okay, okay, you go forty four and forty five. I'll talk about verse forty six. Go ahead. No, you go ahead with forty three, Jonah. Okay, you want me to read? <laughs> How about if we go over to forty? <laughs> the land let's go back to thirty. <laughs> let's go back to thirty two. What are you oh, talking he about? 43. 43. He's, he's doing his reading. The land shall also shall be left empty by them and will enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate without them. Uh, they will accept their guilt because they despised my judgment and because their souls abhorred my statutes. Yet for all of that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, nor shall I abhor them or utterly destroy them and break my covenant with them. For I am Yehovah their Elohim. But for their sake... I will remember the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations that I might be their God. I am Yehovah. 
So this is really, to me, fascinating because he's saying, if you do good, you'll get the blessing. If you do bad, you're going to get all these punishments. I'm going to go farther and farther, seven times and another seven times until finally you're crushed to the point Mm. that your heart is humble and repent. But despite all of that, even when you're in the land of your enemies, it says in Hebrew, I will not reject them and I will not despise them to completely consume them, to violate my covenant with them. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens, mm-hmm. they will continue to be my people. For I am Yehovah, their God. And, and there the name Yehovah comes out in its fullness. Yehovah means the one who was, the one who is, and the one who will be. And Amen. that's, I think, coming out here when he says, for I am the one who was, the one who is, and who will be their God. He is Yehovah, mm-hmm. and, and he is eternal. And, and when he says it, he does not change. And, and can I just bring this verse real quick? It's in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 6. One of the most popular verses in the Bible. People love to quote this verse. For I am the Lord, I change not. And they're always quoting it in contexts that, that are you know, convenient for them. Um, if they have a certain doctrine mm-hmm. they want to they push from you know, very often you'll hear it from Christians who want to push a certain agenda from the Old Testament, and they'll say, well, the Lord doesn't change. But what they sometimes ignore is the second half of the verse, which says, therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Now, what does he mean by that? Mm-hmm. What he's saying is, if I were to change, I'd burn you up in a second. Mm-hmm. But I made a promise to your fathers. And even in the land of your enemies, I will not reject you and completely despise you mm-hmm. as he says there in leviticus and he goes on malachi 3 7 even from the days of your fathers you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them and then what does he say you can't keep them just don't even bother with it we're going to go on to something else forget about it don't worry you can't you haven't been able to keep them from the days of your father just forget it no he says return unto me and i will return unto you amen now in hebrew the word return is the the from the root word shuv tshuva Teshuvah, it means repent. So you mm-hmm. can legitimately translate this, repent to me and I'll return to you. I'll repent from my ways. If you repent from your ways, mm-hmm. saith Yehovah of hosts. So here oh, he's man. telling them, you, look, you haven't been doing this from the time of your forefathers. I know how you guys are. Repent already. All you've got to do is repent. I've been telling you the entire time since the time that we were in Egypt, repent. It's time for you to finally repent. Mm-hmm. And he's telling us no matter how bad we are, he's not going to reject us. Because Yehovah doesn't change. He has an mm-hmm. eternal maybe, covenant maybe. with his people Israel. And that covenant, he is the one who was, who is, and will be. And as long as he continues to be, that covenant shall remain Amen. true. Amen. 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 All I got to say, all I gotta say I is, Jono, I'm glad that I'm in the United States. He's in Israel and you're in Australia. Because I'm telling you, if we were all sitting together right now, that table's going down. <laughs> he, is preaching, he is banging that table. And this is just awesome because, you know what? It's true passion. Hmm. It's true excitement. It's true joy. I mean, I'm just imagining the as I'm sitting here over in the United States, and he's in Australia, but you're sitting there, and I've been where you live. I've been to your spot. I've been in your neighborhood. I've been in your apartment. I, I mean, here you're in there, and you're uh, you're surrounded by the people of Israel, and, 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 and can't aren't, isn't there a part of you, at least for me as I'm listening, a part of you that's saying, yes, it's going to happen. I mean, there's the faithfulness of God, and the faithfulness of God, he will not change. He mm-hmm. will not allow mm-hmm. us to be consumed. Yes, you're a few surrounded by many. Yes, you've got enemies around you. Yes, there's these situations, but you live in that situation. And I tell you, this makes this so authentic for me. I mean, your passion and your excitement is real. 
I mean, this is where you live. You live in this. Mm. So I want to tell you how much I appreciate that. And I'm glad that I'm over here because I'm thinking you might start swinging. (laughs) (laughs) So this is interesting because I was talking as I was talking to Yoel Ben Shlomo today and we were reading through Joshua. And this is Joshua 7, chapter 7, verse 8. And uh, Joshua is is pleading before Yehovah. He says, oh, Yehovah, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies for the Canaanites, this verse 9, and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off your name from the earth. Then, what, and then, what will you do for your great name? And this is after, uh, of course, um, someone took uh, some of the, the, the uh, banned things from Jericho after it was destroyed, hid it under his tent, and uh, 36 odd uh, people fell in battle against I. And uh, But here it is in verse 45. For their sake, I will remember the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations that I might be their God. I am Yehovah. Ah, I love that. Can, can I you say and, something uh, really you, radical? Go on. Can Go I ahead. say something really radical? Uh, and, and I want to translate into plain English what you just read, uh, Jono. From, and where was that from Joshua? Where? Uh, Joshua 7 verse 8 and 9 was where I was. Joshua 7 verses 8 to 9. People, go look it up. What he's really saying is, if Israel ceases to exist as a people, mm-hmm. I'm a false god. I don't really exist. Mm-hmm. And as long as I, they continue to exist, they are a testimony to my name. Amen. Because I proclaim this in front of all the nations that Israel will continue to exist as a people. And it, it amazes me. You know, I'm a, I, I'm, I love history. I'm a student of history. And I look at the, all the ancient nations that existed and all the ancient superpowers and, and mm-hmm. empires and there's only one that continues to exist, continues to live now, having been returned to its land and revived mm-hmm. its ancient oh. language, a people that was literally scattered throughout the entire world, unprecedented in history, and then they were gathered in back, uh, partially so far, but millions of them have been gathered in now a second time into their land, and that is the people of Israel. And the people of Israel, for me, is the strongest testimony that the God of Israel is the one who is, the one who was, and the one who will always be. Mm. He is Yehovah. Mm-hmm. And now we're asking to be a part of you and Yoel's show. Uh, I would like to uh, be invited into, into that. I want to know what percentages I can get. Nehemiah has already done commentary. Yoel, if you're listening, I'd like to be a part of your show. <laughs> There you go. And isn't it this still is the case, though? Isn't it still the case, Nehemiah, and throughout modern history as well, that they still surround Israel and seek to cut off yes. their name from the earth, and yet, because of Yehovah yeah. and because of his great name, they're still there. Amen. Uh-huh. Amen. 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 And these are the, the statutes. made all those thousands of years ago mm-hmm. is a living testimony being fulfilled today. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, let me say something. Yes. And, and Jono, I know you're about to do your thing where you're going to read this. And I, I just want to say one thing about this verse, and I want it to be something that we can talk about as Please. we go into the future uh, portions. But I think this verse is really interesting, and I don't even want us to have to do great in-depth discussion about this verse. But I want people to think about this as they listen to the show. And I know we, we, we're already you know, a bit in, in on our time, but it says, These are the decrees, the laws, and the regulations that the Lord established on Mount Sinai between himself and the Israelites through Moses. And it's mm. almost like when I read that, I'm like, is that it? Is, is that the Torah? Is it over? <laughs> mm. It's almost like, a, it's almost like a, a, you know, we, we use back in the days of seminary, the seam, you know, the connection. And, and it's not at the end of the book of Leviticus. It's right before this chapter. Yeah. <clears throat> so... I, I wanted. I just wanted to bring it up as something for uh, uh, people to think about. What 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 purpose does this line fulfill? 
here it's not like it's not at, it's not at the end of the uh, the book. Not, and so why does it say that, Keith? What's the answer? Yeah, oh, that's I want people to I want people to think about this a little bit. We're going to answer this as we continue to go about our business. Well, yeah. no, I, I think we can we can answer it now. I mean, we we started okay, a section in the previous Torah portion um, where it said Yehovah something like and Yehovah spoke to Moses in Mount Sinai. And then here's the end of that section. Even though it's a right. different Torah portion, that was, a, remember how we talked about how the, the Torah wasn't originally one big scroll. It was lots of different scrolls that were sewn together. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was one scroll. From the time he says, and Yehovah spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, all the way up until here, is a revelation that Moses specifically received, probably at the foot of Mount Sinai in the tent of meeting. Um, and, uh, and, and there were a series of these throughout a period of 40 years. You know, one of the, the dogmas I was taught is Moses received the entire Torah at Mount Sinai, both the written Torah and the oral Torah. And that's a lie on both counts. He didn't receive the entire written Torah on Mount Sinai. He received the Ten Commandments and certain visual instructions regarding the tabernacle. And uh, the rest of the Torah was revealed throughout a period of 40 years. And it's simply telling us this particular section was revealed to Moses at Mount Sinai, not necessarily on Mount Sinai, but they were camped at the foot of Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. And, and and during that encampment, they received the, these chapters. Uh, what was it? I don't even remember what it started, like chapter 25 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Whatever it was. Um, and there's another, there's a, there's a few, you know, we have these preconceptions about, about you know, who wrote the different books of the Bible and, and or at least things I was taught. And when I, when I actually read it, I see it's not supported by the evidence. Like one of the things I was taught is David wrote the Psalms. Well, that's not true. David wrote some of the Psalms, mm-hmm. but then if you look at, I'm looking right now at Psalm chapter 73, verse 1, and it starts off a Psalm of Asaph. And we know from the book of Chronicles that Asaph and his family were a group of singing in the temple. And so presumably they wrote Psalm 73. We have one of the Psalms that's actually written by Moses. Um, so they weren't all written by David. But I want to look really quickly if we can. It's a little off topic, but I want to quickly look at chapter 72 of Psalms. In my Hebrew, it's verse 20. Uh, I don't know what it is in your English. It might be verse 19 or 21. Can you read that for me, uh, Keith? One second. Psalms. <laughs> or Jonah, whichever. Jonah, so, so, no, no, go ahead. 72 verse. The last two verses of chapter 72. Last two or verses. last three verses. They say, Blessed be Yehovah Elohim, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. Who only does wondrous things. How about that? And blessed Amen. be his glorious name it's, forever. Except it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't say who only does wondrous things. Sorry. I got to stop you there. It says, blessed is Jehovah, the uh, God, the God of Israel, who does wonderful things by himself. <laughs> it's a big difference. Ah, there is a big difference. There, I was going to say, <laughs> who does wondrous the things old, by himself. There's a theological translation you Hello. got there, Jono. <laughs> yes. yes. And blessed be, oh, look, let me emphasize that. Blessed be Jehovah Elohim, the Elohim of Israel. And in mine, now, Keith, I have to ask you, what have you got? I mean, mine says, who only does wondrous things? What, what, what does yours no, say? No, no, Verse no, The NIV's got it right. It says, praise be to Jehovah God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous Oh, deeds. no, another point for the NIV is scoring over the New King James <laughs> over and over again in this program. In Verse We're 19, in the zone. We're in the zone right now. It says, and blessed <laughs> be his zone. glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of of Jesse are ended. What? The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. That's what so, so what that should mean is after chapter 72 of Psalms, there should be no more Psalms that uh, are attributed to David, that are David's Psalms. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what it sounds like. Sounds like that, but... But first of all, it completely blows out of the water that David wrote the whole Psalms. Sure, Obviously, of course, he didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 72, it says, finish the... Uh, 
uh, Prayers of David, the son of Jesse. Except if you uh, do a simple Bible search on your quick computer program like I have, <laughs> then you find out. Uh, so chapter 86 of Psalms opens up a prayer of David. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we have, let's see, uh, 101 of David, 103 of David, uh, 108, uh, uh, a song, uh, a psalm of David, uh, 109, 110. <laughs> so what's going on? Mm-hmm. What, what is going on here? I don't know. And what's, actually, what's actually going on is the same exact thing as what's happened in, in Leviticus chapter 26, which is that um, there it says, you know, these are the, the commandments that were given at Mount Sinai. Well, that's the end of that scroll, which now is part of a bigger scroll. And that's exactly what's happening in Psalms. In uh-huh. fact, in the Hebrew manuscripts, there are five books of Psalms. Did you know that? that, that there, I, I the, didn't know There that. are five books of Psalms. No, I didn't know. And uh, yeah. And, um, and one of the books happens to end at the end of chapter 72. And that's why the, the two verses you read before, uh, you know, finished are the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, mm. it ended with a blessing. Each of the five books ends with a blessing. So that blessing uh, in mind in verse 18 and verse 19 isn't the end of Psalm 72. It's the end of that book. It's the end of the mm-hmm. And if you look at each of the books, oh, you'll find you. a blessing just like that. Um, and, and so we have one book of Psalms today, but originally and, and still marked in the Hebrew manuscripts are five books. And, uh, and it's the same thing, like I'm saying with, with Leviticus, mm-hmm. that right now we have the book of Leviticus and we have the book of the Torah. But originally it was lots of different scrolls. Mm-hmm. And simply what we're seeing at the end of 26 is the end of that scroll. And there may right. be other things that were revealed at Mount Sinai. They were, they were just written in a different scroll. Sure. Excellent. Torah pill. Thank you, Nehemiah, for that. Keith, listen. Yes. In previous, in, in recent Torah pills, I remember you saying that your job as a Methodist pastor was to baptize, bury, and marry. Was it in, in that, that order? The order that we said is marry, bury, and baptize. Marry, bury, and baptize. Did you ever do a dedication? Absolutely. So you had that in, in your tradition, you had dedications as well, right? Yes. Can you tell us about that? What What, what is the deal with that? Okay, so you mean just doing dedications of people's lives? or? Well, no, no. I remember, like, let me tell you, in the tradition that I came from, it was traditional for uh, for a family. You know, the parents would bring the, the toddler, the new baby, uh, come, oh, yes, come yes, down yes. to the altar and uh, and dedicate the child. What what exactly are they doing? What how, how would so so what we used to look at that as you know people you know, there would be the baptism uh, for, for 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 children et cetera. But then there were some families that said, look, we're not in, we're not interested in doing that right now, but we do want to give our child over we want to dedicate our child to the lord is what they would say Mm -hmm. and so we used to do dedication services where there wasn't any water and there was no baptism it was simply uh, a dedication service so what in in the tradition that uh your tradition keith what does it mean for parents to say we want to we want to have our 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 child dedicated to the lord what is what are they actually saying what do they because there was a similar thing in my tradition right and I'm not even too sure that I understood it, but there was a regular practice of uh, parents would bring a, a new baby or, or a toddler, uh, and they, you know, there was this ritual. They go down the front and they the, the meet with the, the pastor in front oh, of everybody, wait. and they okay, would yeah, they would dedicate they would be dedicated. You didn't they would read dedicate this part yet, Jonah. This is chapter twenty-seven. This is chapter twenty-seven, and and so my question better- is in in the mind of the parents, what was it that they were achieving in in as far as your tradition? Uh, taught them what what was it that they thought was going on and what was their they're understanding dedicating of the their child to god short of having to do a baptism where the kid doesn't know anything about what they're doing you know in many traditions you know they have the, the as if the child is uh you know somehow you know certainly in lutheran tradition the idea is you're baptized as a baby and that means you're saved 
Okay. So there are a lot of people that said, hey, wait a minute, my kid doesn't know what's going on here. I want to wait till my kid is at an age that they can confess, make some confessions. So in the meantime, I'd like to cover them through dedication. Cover them through dedication. And, and, and what that means is that should their uh, end come prematurely that, you know, it's all No, covered. I don't think they were thinking of that way. I think they were thinking more of this, this, these, this is a child that's been given to me and I want to dedicate this child to God. I don't think they were thinking theologically, like if something happens, so what, they're going to heaven. So they've dedicated him to God, and then what? What, 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 is the, what have they achieved? I don't understand. That, that he's going to work in the church, or that the kid is going to no, work? No. What? No, I've given, I've given the child. I mean, if God has it? given me a child, and I've dedicated Now, doesn't child- that come from the whole thing of, in, um, in the story of, of Hannah? I where just she dedicates- Sure. Oh. I, she, she brought Samuel? Yeah, that, that, yeah, I think I was that getting she- my water when you said that. Okay. <laughs> Nehemiah, chapter twenty-seven. Chapter twenty-seven. Yeah. yeah. And we're 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 talking about when a man consecrates by a vow certain persons to Jehovah. What? What? I mean, is there before we actually before we even go there? Is there anything in Judaism that would be similar to uh, to, to the practice that Keith is talking about? Similar practice in my uh, tradition that I was brought up in of dedicating children to Jehovah. Is there anything in Judaism that's similar to that? You know, I, I think what there are are, are um, you know, what they call like life cycle rituals, which are basically little rituals to, to um, you know, basically it's, it's, it's a rite of passage. And in that respect, we do have things like that in Judaism. And one of them actually comes from this passage, um, this along with the passage in Exodus 13, which is the um, when a child is 30 days old, so they do the, if he's the, uh, let's see, they, they, if he's the firstborn, they do the Pidyon Haben. Mm-hmm. Which is they give the five shekels of silver to the priest, um, which you know we're commanded to give our firstborn, and then we're told to actually redeem the firstborn over in Exodus. And the way we redeem them, it's it it gives us valuations here. Now it's talking about the valuations in the context of if you if you if you take a vow, if you if you say uh, I you know an oath essentially, if you say I swear that I'm going to dedicate my you know my child or something, mm-hmm. well then you can't actually bring your child as a sacrifice, so you've got to redeem them. And the way you redeem them is you pay this evaluation, and so there's different different valuations here. And you know, verse three, it's it's a certain amount for a male and a certain amount for a female, and um, and, and where they're getting this from is you know, if this person were to come, and this by the way isn't to say that men are more valuable than women. The idea is that if this person were to come and work as as a as a slave, mm-hmm. then what would he be worth? What what is his value on the market? And that's where they're getting these values. Right. Um, and then men, of course, have you know, stronger upper body strength sure. um, on average, and that's why they're on. That's why the you know the valuation is fifty for a man and thirty for a woman. The woman mm-hmm. can do some work but less, and if it's a, a child, well, the child can do less work, so the child isn't worth as much. Um, and then the female child's worth even slightly less because she you know probably has less body mm-hmm. strength, uh, upper body strength. Um, and you know, and then if we're talking about old people, well, old people also have less strength, and, and so that's where these values are coming from. Um, and so we do have in Judaism, we have what's called, like I said, the Pidyon Haben for the firstborn, um, which is the re- redemption of the firstborn. It's usually done on the 30th day of, of the child's life. And, and that actually comes from verse 6, which says from from the, from the a month old until five years, mm-hmm. the value of the male will be worth five shekel. Um, and theoretically, you could do it from before a month, but the, the thinking is that before a month, the child, certainly in the olden days, didn't wasn't necessarily viable. Meaning until the child has survived the first 29 days of life, um, it, it was considered, you know, there was a 50-50 chance it might not survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, so uh, um, they do it for that from 30 days. And they have what's called the bar mitzvah, and for girls, the bat mitzvah. Now, look, those are traditions. Those are kind of parallel to the 
Christian or I think the Catholics do something called um, don't they do kind of something called confirmation or yeah, something confirmation, like that? Yeah, is that right, Keith? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is that right, Keith? So, yeah, so the Jews have the bar mitzvah and the bat mitzvah at the age of twelve for a girl, thirteen for a boy, because traditionally those are the ages where they come, you know, where they, where they reach puberty. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are traditions; those aren't actually anything commanded in the in the Torah. Um, so that we have those traditions, but you know, mm-hmm. those are not command not commandments. Okay, so, so here, anything parallel to the, the dedication? No, because our thinking is if you dedicated the child, then you either have to send them to work in the temple or 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 redeem them or huh? you know maybe sacrifice them. Or, and, okay, now listen. That, now maybe you can help me understand this, and I'm going to jump out of yeah. here again into the into yeah. Judges, if I may, into Judges there chapter eleven, verse twenty nine and on, and uh, yeah. it talks about a man by the name of. Uh, and how would you pronounce his name in Hebrew? Yiftach. Yiftach. Okay. Now it says in uh, in verse. Uh, 30, that uh, that he made a vow to Yehovah and said, if you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the, the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be Yehovah's and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Now, is it, 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 it turns out, uh, we read on from verse 34 onwards, that his daughter is the first out of the doors to greet him. And, I mean, is it not a ridiculous and silly thing for him to say such a thing? But is it possible that he could have redeemed her with money? Well, first of all, the moral of the story is be careful what you promise to Yehovah mm-hmm. because you can't take it back. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. definitely the moral of the story. And there's a passage uh, like that in um, – and there's a few passages that talk about that, that, that we're actually not commanded to make a vow. Um, you know, vows are something that if we want to do, we can do them. And, but if we make the vow, we're required to keep the vow. And, but there's no commandment to keep the vow. Or excuse me, to make the vow, rather. Mm-hmm. There's no commandment to actually make a vow. And so uh, he made a vow. Um, and that's actually Deuteronomy 23. Uh, let's see. It's verse um, verse 22. It says uh, 23 in the Hebrew. Mm-hmm. It says, if you refrain from making a vow, you will not. there will not be in you sin, it literally says. Mm-hmm. So it's not a sin. And it says, whatever your lips utter, you must be sure to do because you made your vow freely to Yehovah, your God, with the, with your own mouth. Mm. So whatever you, whatever vow you make, you've got to you've got to keep it, you know. And so be mm. careful. There's no commandment to make a vow. Be careful what you make. Yeah. And so he didn't think before he spoke, apparently, evidently. And then his, you know, um, he should have been more specific. Whatever animal comes to, first to greet me, or mm. you know, whatever animal. I mean, what if what if a donkey had come to greet him? He can't sacrifice a donkey. And you can't sacrifice a human as a burnt mm, offering. Mm. So the question is, how did he? Uh, how how did he fulfill this commandment? I mean, he he he, he essentially put himself in a no-win situation. Mm. We're not. We're only allowed to bring certain animals as burnt as burnt offerings as sacrifices. You can only bring a bull, uh, um, a bull or a cow, uh, a goat, a sheep, and then a turtle dove and, and a pigeon. Five species. Any other thing is an abomination to Jehovah to offer as a sacrifice. And we're specifically not allowed to sacrifice human beings. We read about that in Leviticus, I believe it was 18, and then again in 20, about not passing our, our children through the fire. And um, so, so what is so what did he do? And it's not exactly clear. It's, it actually has vague language at the end. It says mm. at the end of, uh, of two months, she returned to her father. It says, and he literally, it says, and he did to her his vow, which he vowed. Mm. Well, what does that mean? He sacrificed her? He couldn't sacrifice her. That wouldn't be a valid sacrifice. Mm. So what did he do? Maybe he killed her? I don't know. We don't We don't actually know. It didn't say he offered her up as a, as a sacrifice, mm. um, as a burnt offering. And, and you know, so why, what exactly he did, um, I don't know. 
it's not very clear. And there's different interpretations. Some people say no, he simply redeemed her, um, paid the you know whatever the amount was there, thirty shekel or whatever that but then, was. Of course, why would it have been? Um, which is definitely a possibility. It's a possibility, but it goes but on to say at least strictly in, based on Leviticus, he would have had to pay that. He would have had to pay the thirty shekel, but, or how depending on her age, something okay, like thirty so, shekel. So he could have. What you're saying is that he could have redeemed her with money. He was required to redeem her. What he, he was, actually did, I don't he know. He was required. Well, I mean, it goes on to say in this verse, and we'll yeah. move on after this, but it says uh, that he carried out his vow with her, which he had vowed, full stop. She knew no man, full stop. Now, if he had just redeemed her with money, why would you add that? I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit so of a maybe mystery. She, maybe it is a mystery, and one possibility is she said, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to go serve in the temple now, and I'm not going to marry. I don't know. That wouldn't really be unprecedented, but the whole thing is unprecedented. Mm. Um there's an interesting verse here uh, in verse 35. It says that when it came to pass, when he saw her, he tore his clothes and he said, aha, <laughs> that's actually what it says in Hebrew. Aha, mm. my daughter, you have, um, uh, I guess you translate this, you have, you have forced me and, and you have um, caused me trouble. Uh, and, and he says, Vanochi pitziti pi el Yehovah, which could be translated, and I opened my big mouth to Yehovah, or I opened my mouth big to mm. Yehovah, and I can't take it back and I cannot go back. Which is, you know, that's the lesson. Be careful before you open up your big mouth. Amen. And the name Jephthah may actually be a play on words with that because Yiftach means he opens. Oh, um, really? Okay. And so, yeah, so he's the one who opened his big mouth. Uh, yeah, Maybe. so I don't know. Did Maybe. he sacrifice her? It's not, it's not clear at all what he did. Um, and it's been interpreted different ways throughout the ages. Just like this whole idea, I, this is just one thing that I think is, is, it really is powerful. And I want to just be innocent here for a moment. So those parents that do bring their children, for that person that does see their house as a gift, the person that says this land has been given to me, and many times I've been able to actually, people will call me and they'll say, can you come over and can you, can you pray with us about giving, you know, giving honor to this that we've, been, that we've received? And I do like this idea, this concept of sort of dedicating, and I don't want to do anything that's outside of Scripture, but the idea of dedicating, not dedicating in the, in the technical term, but the idea that I've been given an opportunity to live in this house, what does it mean for this house to be lived in in honor to, to Yehovah? Mm -hmm. Or I've been given this child. What does it mean for me to, to the best of my ability to raise this child in a way that acknowledges that I know who the giver is and mm -hmm. that I want to dedicate this child unto him? Not, again, the technical terms of bringing to the temple and whatever. Maybe it should be a different word, but, uh, but a way of, of giving honor to the giver. Of the gift, like acknowledging that that is what I, that's the design, right. right? Yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing, and I think the key is it all in the wording. I mm -hmm. I think it's really a matter of you know if you said in your dedication exactly what you said now, then you've got no problem. You you know you've mm -hmm. you've uh, right. you you've dedicated. In other words, be careful not to say I'm dedicating this to to, to God or I'm dedicating this to Jehovah, but make it clear I'm dedicating my child to honoring. Yehovah and to serving yes. him, mm -hmm. well, that's yes. that's totally legitimate. Sure. You know, as, as long as you're clear about what you you know what you want to say. Mm -hmm. and, and I've got a I've got a, I know this is a little bit. It's not really off topic. It's it's you know jumping from the Torah portion to something else, which is um, what uh, Ecclesiastes uh, says about 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 this whole matter. And it's Ecclesiastes chapter five. I think it's one of the most profound passages in the Bible. Um, in many respects, I, mm -hmm. I love it. It says. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, or should I have Keith read it? Um, Keith. What? I've, already, I've already gone over my time. I would like for you to read it from the Hebrew, Nehemiah. All right. It says, do not be quick with your mouth. I'm going to read it from the NIV, which is your Bible. Uh, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God, even your heart. 
don't be hasty to uh, uh, utter something before mm-hmm. Yehovah, which is you, even if you don't speak it, be careful what you what you hope wish for. Mm-hmm. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it, which is essentially what it says in Deuteronomy Mm -hmm. uh, 23. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Mm -hmm. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin and do not protest uh, to the messenger my vow is a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Uh, you know, that, that's amazing. That's amazing. It's as much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God. So, so the point here is, if you, you know, if, if, if you, uh, like in, for the example that's brought here, is if you have a bad dream and you say, okay, I'm going to make this vow uh, to Yehovah. I'm going to promise him my, my sheep or my cow. And then you say, well, you know, on the next day, I, I kind of need that sheep. I'm not going to give that to Jehovah. Don't mm. do it. Just mm. don't do it in the first place. Mm. If you want to I mean, okay. I mean, no, I was just going to say, and that, and that isn't that just sort of the the foundation of what's happening even in this chapter that, you know, whatever it is that you're going to give to him, whatever it is that you're going to dedicate to him, you know, that, that, that that's something that's serious. It's not something that's to be taken lightly. Mm. Amen. Amen. And that's it, it, in, uh, in my Bible, it says in uh, Ecclesiastes 5, verse 7 that ends with but fear God and take that into consideration when you're making these kind of statements to him do so in 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 fear and so moving along as we wrap this up it's it kind of takes a bit of a twist here Nehemiah in verse 30 uh, and all the tithes of the land whether the seed of the land and uh, its fruits of the tree and uh, it's the Lord's and holy to Yehovah uh, if a man wants to redeem any of his tithes he shall add one-fifth to it I don't understand that uh, I mean Maybe maths wasn't my strong point. So, but what does that mean? Well, all right. So, look the the um, the idea of tithes, as Jews understand it, I should say, mm-hmm. um, based on this passage and similar ones like it, is that the the produce of the land of Israel is holy, and the idea of the tithe is that you actually whatever you produce from the land, you have to give ten percent of mm-hmm. that produce to God, and if you're raising animals, then you give um, then you give one tenth of your animals uh, to God, one tenth of those that are born. And, um, and, and, and so if you want to, let's say you have, I don't know, your prized cow is born mm-hmm. and or your prized bull, more importantly, cause you don't have, you have like lots of cows, sure. very few bulls. And you decide, you say, oh, well, I want to keep this one. This is the one I'm going to breed. I don't want to give it to the temple. Uh, You're allowed to keep it. So you, you have can to, redeem you it. You have to redeem it. But you add you say, one. Okay. Fifth. This, this tithe is worth a hundred shekel. I've got to pay. I've got to give the hundred shekel plus 20% plus uh-huh. a fifth. So I'm, so I have to redeem this from the temple. Essentially, in exchange, and instead of giving it to the temple, mm-hmm. I give the priest 120 shekel. Mm-hmm. Now that raises a really interesting question about tithing money. Um, scripture doesn't talk anywhere about tithing money. There is no such concept, and of course, there's no such concept okay, because they were an agrarian we society. Program? Are you kidding me? The entire church is built on this. What are you going to do? Take this away from us? <laughs> All right, I've had it. With you I'll, I'll, Ladies I'll and gentlemen, I'll this stop. is the end of Torah pearls. Thank you so much. <laughs> Hey, let me just say something. I'm just completely kidding. Uh, I had a ministry when I was a ministry to athletes. Listen, at any one time, ladies and gentlemen, I'd have $30 million in the room, and I'm not exaggerating. And when I learned about tithing and the biblical understanding of tithing, and not only that, that, that there wasn't this issue of tithing money, but just what that tithe actually meant, I, the most radical thing that ever happened in the ministry was I stood before all of those athletes, uh, and many of them had guaranteed contracts, and I said to them, based on my understanding now, 
of what this actually means. There, there will not be any required tithing within this ministry. And I actually had athletes come to me and say, Keith, you're, you're cutting off your, your, your hand. You're, you're cutting off your opportunity. And, and you know what? It's an example where when I learned the information and understood it, mm. I applied it, and it didn't matter what it meant. But, boy, there were a lot of people that just thought, you're absolutely nuts. But mm. you know what? Yeah. I'd rather be now I'd let rather me ask you right a question, Keith. So, yes. Amen. So now if someone comes to you and says, um, okay, I understand that scripturally I'm required to tithe produce and animals – um, but you know, I, I'm, I don't make a lot of money and I have some money and, and I want to tithe this. I want to give 10% to your ministry. Um, just like J- Jacob made a vow where he voluntarily, it wasn't a commandment. He voluntarily gave mm-hmm. 10% to God. Would you say to him at that, in that situation, no, uh, don't, don't, don't do a voluntary tithe. Is, is that what no, you're no, saying? What I, forbidden this, to is tithe? What I, this is, this is what I would say. And any that are listening that might be sitting on about, you know, $10 million and you want to give, give away some money to truth to you or to, to Nehemiah's ministry, McCor Hebrew foundation or biblical foundations Academy. I absolutely 100% would be joyous and jump through the roof. If someone wanted to do that, only thing I would be clear about is I wouldn't want them to understand that as the, a Levitical tithe mm-hmm. given to a Levitical priest, uh, in you know, in that whole situation, the technical aspects of it. Someone, someone says they want to, they want to support, give, contribute. Man, may it be. You know, I would be honored and blessed for anyone that would would take it that way, even in a spiritual sense. That there's an idea of something that they've been given from God, and they want to give something back to build ministry or to help. You know, something take place around the world. The difference was this. Uh, what I was, what I used to deal with was I used to take, uh, like I say, all of the uh, Torahs nailed to the cross except for tithing. Tithing was something that we could continue to talk about um, be, be, because we needed it and, and we didn't care what, what it meant. So I think my point was just that the giving of resources, we certainly see biblical, uh, biblical uh, examples of that outside of the idea of tithing money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. And I think in some respects it's, it's a greater challenge to the, to the person – um, you know, if, if, if you come to me and say, okay, I'm, I'm required to give 10%. Okay. I'm, I'm just fulfilling my duty. It's, you know, it's taken off the top. It's not really even my money, but here, if it is my money and I've got to give that to the purpose of, of glorifying God. Wow. That that's in a way that's so much I'm more in. challenging. Mm, and I I'm think in. there's so much more reward for something that, that is, you know, such a great challenge in that way. Amen. 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 And I want to say, Jono, that this, and I, maybe we can talk about this more at, at some other, at some other time, but this whole issue of of money and, and ministry and that sort of thing. I do want to talk a little bit about that as we go forward because I think there's a really, really powerful, powerful opportunity for us to understand in the spirit of this chapter, chapter uh, chapter 27, what does it mean for us to give back to the one who gave? And what does mm-hmm. it mean for us to dedicate? And I want to use that word again, in honor for what he's done. I can never match what he has done mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. by anything that I give or dedicate to him. But that there's, a, there's an opportunity for me to have a spirit of 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 sharing and giving and supporting and all of that sort of thing and that's what I love. I think the spirit of that is so much more powerful than saying, "Well, I I, I fulfilled my ten percent and that's it. I've got ninety. Mm. I say this. I a hundred percent of it is his and and that's that's just the way I look at it. Amen. Amen. So, Amen. verse thirty four, and this is the final verse of Levit- Leviticus, uh, the book of Leviticus. Next week we're going to be in Numbers, but it says these are the commandments which Jehovah commanded Moses. For the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. There we are. Mm, I cannot wait. I I just want to say, 
I know we're at the end of Leviticus right now. This has been so much fun. I cannot even believe that we're we're, we're continuing on. But I just want to require that in the book of Numbers that Jonah read Did you every wait single, until I read every, every single, single word in Hebrew of every single chapter, every in name in the beginning. I'm going to throw out the gauntlet and challenge <laughs> you guys because we are coming up to a lot of sections. It's just a lot of numbers, and it's a, and, and and I want to challenge you guys. That we uh, take one of the sections, and, and I'll read some in Hebrew, and Keith reads some in Hebrew, and Jonah will read some in Hebrew. Oh, can, you're can, I, can I get a commitment from you guys? <laughs> kill me. you got to kill the audience. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I'm not saying the whole thing, but let's, like, for example, oh, take okay. the first chapter, which is like a billion names, and, I don't know, take five verses, or take take a few verses, take All two right. verses, and... and Jono, you read some of them, and Keith read a few of them, and, and I, I get and to choose, right? I get to choose which ones I'm doing. Okay, said, uh, you can you can choose. Boys and girls, you can look forward to that one. <laughs> Thank I you. Read the whole thing, just a couple of verses. Thank you, Keith Johnson and Naomi Gordon. <laughs> Thank you, Jono. It's been great to have you guys Thank again. You. Torah pills, boys and girls, available freely uh, on on Truth to Use to download. There is quite a catalog there. If you click on the Torah pills page, you'll see them all there. Next week, we are in. Bamidbar, is that right? That's right, Bamidbar. Numbers 1, verse 1 to 4, chapter 4, verse 20. And until then, dear listeners, be blessed to be set apart by the truth of our Father's word. Shalom. Shalom.